jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungy leaps and into the end zone for Dungy. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered for Dungy! Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644. If you'd like to get involved, you can text us as well. 315-288-0644. It is Tuesday. Which means Top 5 Tuesday. We have an SU football-related question to get to as the show moves along. Speaking of SU football, Adam Terry will join us in hour number 2, right around one We'll get Adam's thoughts on the Orange as preseason camp continues. Dino Babers actually addressing the media uh, as we speak. And if uh, he says anything of interest, we'll be sure to pass that along. We begin, though, uh, with baseball, Seth. And the New York Yankees find themselves 10 games out of first place behind the Red Sox. Went 6-1 and one a week ago, made up no ground. Red Sox went 6-1 and one as well. Yankees had a makeup game last night from that uh, July 22nd rainout. Lost to the Mets at home, 8-5. to five. Luis Severino struggling yet again. Yankees find themselves 10 games back. My question to you as we start the show... Should the Yankees just resign themselves to, to the wild card? Give up on trying to win the division? And and by that I mean, they've got some guys who are banged up, some important players who are banged up, as you know. Gary Sanchez is out. Aaron Judge is out. John Carlos Stanton is, is broken out of uh, his, you know, slump, I guess you could say, or, you know, and... He's hitting the ball now, but he's dealing with some some hamstring tightness. You got Luis Severino, who obviously does not look right. Do you give up on trying to win the division and set yourselves up, getting everybody healthy, get everybody refreshed? You know, maybe give Severino a you know a a chance to rest a little bit, give the guys who are banged up a little more time to get healthy, and just resign yourselves to let's go after the wild card, win the wild card game, and then see what happens from there. I think they did that nine days ago. I think they did that nine days ago, right? Uh, once they uh, lost and got swept in that series in in Boston, it it essentially was over, right? Because you outlined it. They went six and one last week and gained no ground. Well, let me let me let me step in right there. I I think from the outside looking in, we say, well, there's no chance they can win the division. Giancarlo Stanton just yesterday said, "That's our goal. We're going after well, the division." You have to and say are, that. And you have to say that. Well, there are 44 games left. A no, lot can happen in 44 that, games. You've got a lot left with the Red Sox. Right. You have six games left against the Red Sox, and, and that's the only reason why I would say there's a chance. But like, let's be honest, they're not winning the division. right? Let, let's be honest about that. Because even if they had won last night, they're still nine games back. You would still have to cut that down 
drastically before that first series with Boston in about three weeks. So there's so much work to do before you get to those games with Boston that I don't think it's possible. And yes, you can look at the Yankees' schedule and you could say, wow, look at that schedule. You're playing such terrible teams outside of Boston. Well, guess what they're saying about Boston's schedule? Wow, you're playing such terrible teams outside of the Yankees. And the Yankees do have a West Coast trip left. It's a very difficult West Coast trip left. They have to go play Seattle and Oakland in back-to-back series. Both teams are red hot. Both teams are pushing for the playoffs. Both teams could win 95 or more games. This is not going to be easy for them to go and make up 10 games. They've dug themselves such a deep hole. Uh, I mean, even if they could have just won one of those games in Boston, that's a two-game swing in the standings, right? If If they finish off that game on Sunday night, if they don't blow that lead in the ninth inning, they're eight games out now. And you feel a little bit better. You still don't feel good about that, but you feel a little bit better. And and so, no, I, I don't think they can win the division. I think well, that they have to settle for a wild card. And that sounds terrible, right? Like, that sounds awful. But I, I'd like to take a step back. And, and I, I tried to do this on Yankees on deck last night, Steve. They're the second best team in baseball. Like, they're... They've got problems that you outlined, right? Severino's not pitching very well. Judge is hurt. Uh, Sanchez is hurt. And when he's been healthy, he hasn't been good. Glaber Torres has been dreadful since he's come back from the disabled list. Giancarlo Stanton is just now really getting going. But I, I look at all those problems, and I still say that the biggest problem the Yankees have is that they're chasing down the Boston Red Sox. And that the team in front of them is on a near historic pace, and they could lose this division by 12 or 15 games and still win 105. Right? Like, that's that's what they're looking at. So a moment ago you said, I don't think they can win the division. That's not the question I'm asking you, because I don't think they can win the division either. And I think, again, from the outside looking in, it, it doesn't seem possible. It's certainly not likely. My question is, do the Yankees approach it as, we have no chance? Because my guess is... If you're Brian Cashman, if you're Aaron Boone, you are going to manage the remaining 44 games a little bit differently if you are resigned to the fact that we're going to get the wild card, we're going to be the first wild card, it's going to be a home game, we're not going to try and track down the Red Sox. And, I think and you just, should manage it that way. So that's what I'm asking you. Yes. Because so I, it's, you, you would manage it as it's over and done with, we're not catching the Red Sox. But here's the problem. They're now also two games up on the wild card. Right, so like you now have to manage it that you are still winning that and in, and and in the lead for the first wild card there. I think the best case scenario for the Yankees right now, and especially after what happened in Boston a week ago, a week and a half ago, get to that last series in Boston. Right, get to that last weekend, more than three games out of the AL East and more than three games up on the second wild card, because that will allow you to take that last weekend and set up your pitching. That'll allow you to take that last weekend, and it just doesn't matter, right? You have three games that just don't matter. And you can say, hey, we want Luis Severino to pitch the wild card game, or we want Masahiro Tanaka to pitch the wild card game, or Lance Lynn, or CC Sabathia, or J Hap, or whoever you want pitching that one game. And you can make him pitch that one game, right? So that's, I think that's got to be the goal now. Make sure you get to that last weekend because you're not, in all likelihood, you're not catching the Red Sox. So get to that last weekend more than three games out of the AL East and and more than three games up 
on Oakland or Seattle or Houston or whoever it is for that second wild card spot. Yeah, that would be the ideal scenario. And yeah, I don't think there's any way they're catching the Red Sox. I do think the Yankees would be wise to approach it as we don't have a chance at the division. Let's manage it as if we're we're going after that first wild card and and whatever that means. And and to your point, if you're able to create some distance between yourselves and and Oakland and Seattle, again, you can manage it one way. They obviously play both those teams again. That is the the big series. I think the Yankee fans have to gear up for is you know when they play the the Mariners, when they play the A's, and maybe not so much when they play the Red Sox because ten games over the course of forty four games is a lot to make up on any team, but especially this Red Sox team that is just. They've never Simply slowed not down. Moving. They're, they're not losing at home. I mean, no. they, they have been. I mean, they're not losing much anywhere, but they are not losing at home. No, and, and look, I, I know we talked about this on, on Yankees on deck last night, Steve, but the Yankees haven't lost at home either, right? Like, the Yankees' last night's loss at Yankee Stadium was their 18th this season. Red Sox have 15. Right, but uh, right. The, these like it, it shows you just how good these two teams are, right? Like it, it shows you just the 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 insane kind of pace that these two teams are playing at. The Yankees in any other year would be the league's best team. The Yankees this year, the Yankees if they make the World Series will still have home field advantage over any team in the National League. The Yankees would hold home field advantage advantage over any team in the American League, not named the Boston Red Sox. They're just chasing down this juggernaut that has happened to go on a pace to win 118 games and set Major League Baseball history. You mentioned a moment ago, as you were rattling off uh, who could start that wildcard game for the Yankees, you, you mentioned five names. Um, Luis Severino, I mean, we thought you know a month ago this was a no-brainer. Well, Severino would get the start. He's your all-star. He's been fantastic. He has been dreadful these last six starts now one and four in his last six starts 7.84 era he had won his previous six starts before that with an era of 1.67 what's wrong with louis severino does not seem injured but how do you explain him going from what he was up until mid-july to what he is now the way he's performing i don't know i I don't know i I don't think it's pitched I, i don't I don't think it's pitch tipping. <laughs> I'll throw that out there. I don't think he's tipping pitches. Like I, I read one description of it, and it's like, oh, his back heel is coming down earlier in fastballs than in sliders. And I'm like, there's no way a hitter is picking that up, right? Like, there's no way that a hitter is looking at that, uh, raising his eyes, getting the ball, and hitting it. Like, I, I don't believe that. Um, I, I think that he's not as sharp. I, I think that. Um, his other pitches aren't looking as good, and it makes his fastball more hittable, right? It's his his slider and his fastball aren't looking similar enough, so a hitter can lay off the slider and then knows when a fastball is coming. And if you know a slider is coming and it starts at your knees, guess where the slider is going? It's going to your ankles. Like it's it's not going to magically rise to your belt buckle. Um, you know, if a fastball is there, it's going to stay there. So I, I think ultimately that's what it is, right? Like. His other pitches aren't looking good enough, so now his fastball, that even though it's 100 miles an hour, isn't playing up as much as it did earlier in the year. I don't think it's injury. I, I agree with you. I don't think it's tipping pitches. I've, I've seen that that theory thrown out there as well. Um, it, you're right. He's just he's not sharp. And what leads to someone not being sharp at that position? You're tired. Fatigue. Right. You're tired. So again, that goes back to my question. If you're the Yankees, do you resign yourself to the fact that 
You're going to go after the wild card, and do you potentially put Severino on the DL and just let him rest or skip a, a turn in the rotation? Well, I think that's what they did with CC Sabathia. They put CC on the DL yesterday, and because of off days and because of where they are in the rotation, he had just pitched on Sunday, right? So he pitches Sunday. That means he's got four days till his next start. The Yankees also have Monday and Thursday of next week off. He really only misses one start. Right. Right. And and you can maneuver it so that he only misses one start. And that 10 days from yesterday, he's now back on the mound. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Yankees do that with Severino at some point. Maybe they wait. Right. Maybe maybe that comes in September after maybe those series with Oakland and Seattle. Maybe it comes during those series with Oakland and Seattle so that he's not pitching against them three weeks before he would pitch against them in a wild card game. Um, But, yeah, I I would imagine that comes at some point. Right. You have you have to give guys a, a break. I mean, guys don't make 40 starts a year anymore. Guys He's don't already, make 35 starts a year anymore, and he really hasn't missed a start through through this season. He hasn't missed a turn in the rotation. He's already thrown 12 more innings uh, to this point in the season than he threw last year. Again, doesn't sound like a lot, but that's that's essentially two extra starts that, that he's made uh, this year opposed to last year at this time. It seems like he could be tired, so rest him a little bit and and get him ready. And as you said, you might not want to throw him against the A's or the Mariners. They didn't. They did not start him last year against right. the Twins in a late series. And and uh, did it work? No, obviously not. But that doesn't mean you don't do that again, right? You know, you don't need to put a guy out there three weeks before uh, he's going to face a team. It's it's also part of the reason why you want to get set up for that Red Sox series because if you're set up for that Red Sox series. The way you look at it, no matter what happens, the Yankees are going to play the Boston Red Sox three times. They're then going to play a wild card game and then potentially play the Red Sox again five more times. I I don't necessarily want any of my three starters facing them that week. Yeah, I'm with you. Not that it matters because they've seen everybody, but if you can throw Chance Adams and Justice Sheffield and Luis Sessa in that series instead of Serino, Tanaka, and CeCe Sabathia, you probably feel a little bit better going into that five-game series Three days later. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you. I, I posed this question to Seth Everett the other day. Um, I said, you know, if the wild card game was tomorrow, who's starting for the Yankees? And his response was, and it's well, accurate, it's he said, well, right. it's not. But with that being said, with, with the options you have right now, the way these guys are pitching, Tanaka is so up and down. Severino, obviously, has not been good lately. You've got CeCe, who's a veteran. And you know he's he's been through you know wars before, um, but not necessarily your best pitcher. Who do you give the ball to? Is it between those three? I mean, yeah, do you look no, at Lance I Lynn? I mean, no, no, because Lance Lynn's going to go to the bullpen. Like Lance Lynn's not in your rotation as well as he's pitched. He's not in your rotation um, come the playoffs. It it's those three and Jay Happ, and and I don't think it's Happ. I, honestly, I'm I'm probably going to CC. Like if if I had to pick somebody today, like to pitch a game tonight. That's why I brought up the question because I right. think that's the answer like right it's now. Probably CC. I think that's the answer. And uh, you know, I know we've talked about this throughout the year. The the incredible reversal of his career. Think about think about where he was three years ago at this time, right? The Yankees are or three years ago, two months from now. Yankees make the wild card game. And CC Sabathia not only is not starting that wild card game, he he uh put himself in a rehab facility for alcohol uh, uh alcohol treatment that day. And now less than 3 years later, not only is he like back on a baseball field and doing all right, like he's back on a baseball field and performing as well as he has in the last 5 years. 
And and like this this turnaround's in, incredible. And he does this on Sunday where he goes out and he strikes out a bunch of guys and he allows one ball hit out of the infield in six innings of work. And you you watch CC Sabathia and his turnaround as a pitcher is really remarkable to the point where like yeah I trust him on the mound in a big game. We saw him in the playoffs last year and and to a similar extent Masahiro Tanaka in the playoffs last year really turned it up when it mattered. Really turned it up when when the heat was on and and the games mattered more. I would trust either of them in that spot. I, I would trust CC Sabathia in a, in a win or go home game. Yeah, I mean think about that for a second. That Severino might be third on that list of if the game was tomorrow, who are you throwing out there for the Yankees? It, it's probably between CC and Tanaka at this point, given how Severino has pitched, and he he just clearly does not look right. Gave up four runs last night in four innings, his shortest outing of the season. Gave up a couple of home runs, including a home run right off uh, to the the bat to Ahmed Rosario to start the game. You also have to remember that you have every weapon in your bullpen behind you, and and I know the Yankees know, Yankees and Yankee fans know that because of what happened last year in the wild card game. Um, but you have everybody there: Jonathan Holder, Chad Green, Zach Britton, Dylan Batances, David Robertson, and it doesn't matter when. Right? It doesn't matter. It could be the first inning. And you might need to get eight-plus innings out of your bullpen. And the Yankees, the way they've built this, and, and sure, is it a concern that Zach Britton doesn't look very good? Yeah, sure. It, it absolutely is. But there's six weeks for him to figure this out and get back on track to what he was prior to the trade. Um, you know, So if you need that, that's there for you. Like Get four innings out of CeCe Sabathia in a playoff game, and then you go to the bullpen, and you probably feel all right with it. I think you feel great if you get to the bullpen. I think if you if you get to the bullpen after four shutout innings from CC Sabathia in a playoff game, I was going to say sure. if you're if you're ahead or the game is tied and right. you get to the bullpen, I think you feel great. Right. If you're the because, Yankees in a winner take all one, one game situation, because the Yankee bullpen is is yeah. better, and and I know Oakland's bullpen is really good, and I know they've made some moves to to really fortify it. Uh, I I really like the Yankee bullpen. I, I really like what they've put together. Um, Seattle's bullpen is going to be interesting to watch because their their closer is on pace to break the all time saves record and, and the all time usage record for for a reliever at, at least in the last fifteen years. Like he he is he going to be able to pitch? You know, Might come be October, out of gas, right? right? So I, I I think that's an area where the Yankees are, are really going to have a a leg up on on a lot of teams, not just Oakland or Seattle. I mean, they have it on Boston. They've got it on Houston. Cleveland kind of. You know, right there with them. You know, the, the Yankees have a leg up on most teams when it comes to the bullpen. All right, phone lines now open for the next hour at 315-437-7644. We've got Adam Terry set to join us at 115 to talk some SU football. Got to take our first time out. We're just getting started on Orange Nation. You're listening to ESPN Radio. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. Stephen Fonte, Seth Goldberg, back with you on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We'll get to Max Burgandy here in a moment, but uh, first, let's go to the phones. John in Syracuse up next on the show. Hey, John. How you doing? Good. Uh, something came ac- something, good. Something came across my phone about a half an hour ago from ESPN saying that Darius Baisley wasn't going to go to the G League. Now, does that mean anything as far as coming to SU, or is that come and gone? No, that's done. He's he's not coming here. No, I. No, I don't think he's coming here. I he's think that was coming. the reaction we got when we talked to Alan Griffin and, and people after that decision was made. Yeah, and and my understanding is that he signed with an agent, and uh, no, that, that ship has sailed. Um, but yeah, we saw <laughs> the same report, and that's 
That's interesting. John, as always, we appreciate you checking in. And, th- and Max, let's, I guess let's start there because I know that was on your list of, of things to get to here in today's business. Yeah, thanks for stealing my thunder, John. But, you just um, knew you were going to get to it. The Nike Basketball Academy concluded this past weekend in L.A. featuring 26 of the top prospects in college and 35 elite high school players conducting two workouts per day with an all-star showcase of high school players held on the fourth day. Darius Baisley was here, and he did not receive a rave review uh, after this week. Not long. at all. No. Uh, it says, after Baisley decided to skip uh, college basketball and play in the G League, there were heightened stakes for him, as we all knew. Uh, he didn't play well at all. Uh, in the five-on-fives, he only turned 18 two months ago. He looked far from capable of holding his own physically with legit college players, struggled to put the ball in the basket, making a litany of bad decisions on both ends of the floor causing scouts to question his feel for the game. He bit on fakes on defense, gambled excessively in the passing lanes, let stronger players get through him en route to the basket, didn't get to the free throw line, jump shot didn't look good. When he did get to the basket, he made poor decisions with these weird-looking floaters and step-backs. Sounds like he could have used a year at college. It does sound like he could have used a year on the hill at Syracuse. Uh, fans take solace, I guess, in that fact. Obviously, you never want to see a kid fail, but I'm not going to say it's nice. But it seems like he could. It, it seems like, like he got what was coming yeah. to him as an 18 year old. And, and didn't we say this at yes. the time? We said, "Is he physically risk. really going to be?" Well, of course, there's a risk. But we said at the time, "Is he physically going to be able to compete against?" 22, 25, 28-year-olds when he's playing in the G League. Um, and we question that, and and he's only going to be there, obviously, for one year, and then his plan is to go to the NBA. Um, I, I'm not surprised. I'm not. I'm not surprised. And and by the way, I just looked it up. He he is represented by Rich Paul, so he, he right. he's not coming to Syracuse. So he can't, no, he cannot come here uh, in, unless somehow, some way, he was able to prove that he, he's not coming to, I will preface this by saying, I don't think he's coming to Syracuse no matter what, but in theory... He's not eligible. If he, in theory, if he's able to prove that he didn't take money from them, is he eligible? No. He signed okay. with an agent. I, I wasn't sure. And this, the, and the I new, mean that... The new rule like just went into place, so he's done. Right. Yeah. And so, it's also not looking good for him because there's speculation that NBA scouts are saying this might have been the last competitive action they'll see from Baisley until the NBA pre-draft prospect or process next spring or even the 2019 right. summer league. Right, because they don't think that he's going to play in in the G League yeah. now. And, and so uh, look, Mitchell Robinson did this and was still a fringe first round pick, not saying that's what Darius Baisley is going to do, saying there's precedent from it from this year. This is terrible for him. I mean, this is just bad for him. I know that we had our questions about the G League, we had our questions about him going this route. Um I I would imagine that this kind of solidifies some of those questions, legitimizes and answers some of those questions about him being physically ready and about him uh, being just ready. I mean, he's a he's even a young freshman for a college basketball player, right? A lot of these guys are are older. A lot of these guys turn 18 older, uh, earlier in the year or are 19 before they come to, to college as freshmen. So he would even be young for a freshman. For him to go out and do this in the G League or try to do it in the G League, we knew it was going to be difficult um, and that didn't even factor in questions of how much is this G League team going to care about developing you, you know. So, so this answered a lot of questions before he even got there. I mean, again, you never hope to see an 18-year-old kid fail and fall flat on his face, and that's not what I'm getting at. But 
hopefully like this sends like a ripple through to other young elite high school players that hey you might not be as ready as you think you are to go to the next level and skip college and in three years from now it's it's probably not going to matter right it's, no you know but guys right will now, be able to jump and he's sweating it out right well, now and I, would, I would also say that if there's somebody who wanted to do this now anyway like doesn't it also depend on the pro the, the prospect and i know we talked about this so much at the time but like Darius Baisley may not have been physically ready to play in the G League, but like you know who probably was yeah. last year, like Marvin Bagley or yeah, DeAndre sure. Ayton. So like it does depend on the guy, no doubt. You know, so so I think that that was kind of I I, I know we talked about this in April, um, and and now since April we know that this rule is is inevitably going away, and and they don't have to worry about it. Um, so he's not going to be a trailblazer anyway because there's no path to 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 blaze because they right. it's going away. Like this doesn't matter anymore. Um, but I, I think it was an interesting concept, and it, it didn't. It, it does. It doesn't look like it's working. Um, and you know what? If he went to the G League and he played and he played all right, he probably would have been in the same position as if he played all right at Syracuse, right? And and if he went I to mean, the G League and he didn't play well, I guess then your he's in a skill similar, set. My, my my point is, you say three years from now it didn't matter, and and I know you're referring to the one and done rule, and I thought it immediately as referring to Basley. Oh, okay. He could have come here for one year, gone to the draft, and doesn't matter. He's out of the league in in two years, or he's great in the league in two years, or he could have gone to the G League and he's out of the league in two years anyway, or he's you know successful in two years. And you know that, like in theory, it's oh, okay. Three years down the road, you, you don't know what the alternative is going to be. I would imagine it would be better if he were here, but but like we, you know, who, who if, knows? If he came here and he was. A starter, or say, you know, an, an imp- he would have been an important player regardless. Top here. fifteen, top and, ten, top fifteen pick, and yeah. they would have been a, a top fifteen, top ten team. Right. Um, they would have won a lot of games. They've been on national TV. We talked about this national yeah. TV quite a bit. He would have gotten a lot of exposure, and he would have looked good because he would have been playing on a good team. Right. And my guess is he goes in the lottery next year. Opposed to going to the G League, and you said, well, if he was okay here or okay in the G League, doesn't he get drafted the same? And I would say no. I would say if he came to college, he would get drafted higher because of the exposure, because he's playing on a good team, because he's on national TV all the time, whereas he's going to go to the G League, and now, scouts can obviously see him there, but as we talked about, the coaches are not going to be motivated to play him because he's not their quote-unquote property. He is going to be playing against grown men. He's 18. He's going to be playing against, you know, 28-year-olds. And he's going to be playing in in the G League. And he's he's not going to be on TV. He's not going to get that kind of exposure. He'll still be seen by scouts. But is he going to put himself a lot of those guys, let's be honest, in the G League are out for themselves. There's, there's not a team concept necessarily in the G League. It's right. an individual NBA concept. If he comes to college, he's he's a part of a team, and my guess is he would go, I would say, substantially higher if he had the same kind of year in the G League opposed to college. And as we talked about back in April, I I can't imagine him having a good year in the G League. I just I don't see how that was possible given the playing time, given how young he is, given that he doesn't look physically ready. I don't know what would have constituted a good year in the G League. You know, I have no idea. Five points, six rebounds a game. Is that a good year? I have no idea. I don't. I don't know if he would have been able to do much better than that. So, I, I think. I think he cost himself quite a bit of money in this first contract. Will it matter three, four years from now when he's up for a second contract? He'll have a chance to prove himself. Now, if he proves himself, you're right. It won't matter. 
My guess is initially, though, it's this, gonna was, matter. this yeah. was a mistake for yes. Darius Baisley. And if he could do it over again, my guess is that he would have he probably not would. gone down this path. Yeah. I mean, your skill set can be as good as it wants to be, but if you don't have the body to match it when you're an 18-year-old playing against grown men, and that's right. the thing is if he came to college, Mitchell, he would already be on a weight training program in a meal plan with a professional trainer. Mitchell Robinson, who, Mitchell Robinson, who did this same thing and skipped playing every, is seven feet tall and freak. Like, Here's like the there's thing. A, there's a, there's a but big difference But if you're 6'5 and wiry, like you need to put mass on that frame to this be able to play. This is what bugs me about this story. Is we talked about this in April. We we all of these things we're bringing up today. We, we talked about it in April. Yeah. So it's we, the same discussion. We could no. My point is we could all see it. Like how, yeah, how could, could he you not, not see, see it? Yeah. Right. Before he made this move. Like that's what bothers me about this. So when you brought up the story, you know, you said Max. You know, I, I don't want to wish any ill will. I don't want to wish any ill will on him either. But my reaction to this is we thought about it's this. kind of what he gets for like I, like I don't want to see him fail either, but. You did this. We could all predict that this is probably the way it was going to go, and now it happened. And now it's like we hate to say we told you so. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And anyway. whenever whenever somebody says I hate to say you told you so, they they really mean they love it and they don't really care. I mean, isn't that how every Syracuse basketball fan probably feels yes. reading this story? Darius basically yeah. doesn't care what we think, but the, no. that's what bothers me about this story is that someone gave this kid bad advice. Yes. Because whether he wanted to do it or not. Someone should have gotten in his ear that he trusted and say, hey, these five reasons, it's probably not a great idea to do this. The downside was way bigger than the upside from the jump. Yeah, it was a very high risk. Very, very high. High high risk, low reward. Well, maybe high reward depending on how it went, but clearly it's not going well. So, I mean, unless he averaged, what, 15 and 10 in the G League, was he going to go top five? No, no. I don't think so. Like so, so him going out and doing something in the G League probably would have put him in the same position as having a good year here. And he looked at his well, I I could get paid or I can you know go play in college and not. But it's it's one year and it's in the grand scheme of things, it's it's not that much money. Right. I I just again it it bothers me because we could all see it clear as day and he did it anyways and and now his you know his future's a little bit up in the air. He's, probably, he's still going to get a chance in the NBA, but I think he made the road for himself tougher by doing this. Sorry, Max, we took up so much time. We got to take a time out. We'll wrap up the show right after this.